Many healthcare institutions are major employers in their geographic areas and have an opportunity to support health equity by means of local hiring, investing, purchasing, and community engagement. An anchor strategy adopted several years ago by Rush University System for Health in Chicago offers an evolving case study in such place-based population health investments. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with David Ansel, Senior Vice President for Community Health Equity at Rush University Medical Center, and Radia Holman, a patient care navigator at Rush. Dr. Ansel and Ms. Holman have co-authored a perspective article about Rush's anchor strategy. So Dr. Ansel and Ms. Holman, could you start by explaining the concept of an anchor strategy? Yeah, so a lot of times, this is David Ansel, you think about health and healthcare simply about the delivery of care to patients. And of course, that's tremendously important. But there's another opportunity that healthcare organizations have as community anchors, oftentimes the largest employer in their neighborhoods and region, hire many people, use a lot of supplies. But those business units have never been aimed at addressing the local conditions which we call the social determinants of health, the social and structural determinants of health that really underlie a community's opportunity for health and longevity. And so an anchor strategy is an intentional business strategy to address place or the neighborhoods, oftentimes outside the doors of academic medical centers. And that's the strategy that we've adopted, but many other systems across the country as members of the healthcare anchor network, 75 plus national healthcare systems are participating in this strategy. And Ray, do you want to add anything to it from an employee perspective? Because you led the employee resource group for this. I would like to add that in that anchor strategy, the Rush had the foresight to ask what you called the first community which is the Rush employees that actually live on the west side of Chicago, where this whole strategy was geared toward. And we got a chance to give an authentic voice to what needed to happen. So I think that was huge. And we got a chance to learn. We were kind of lay members and learning about the whole strategy, but we got a chance to learn some of the protocols and just the way things work. So I think that was huge in the whole structure, just to pull in the first community, which being the employees or the employees of some of the people that live. Of all the insights, the greatest insight we had was that naming mm -hmm. our employees the first community. Yeah. When we went out in the community and did surveys, like, what would you like to see? It was the exact same as our employees said. We want jobs. We don't just want jobs. We want careers. We want to be able to climb the ladder. Mm -hmm. We want support for our neighborhoods and our children. Right. We got a chance to hear the authentic barriers of yeah. what was keeping us from getting to that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so it became, in some ways, we sort of named the strategy. But then when we got the voice of the community and our internal community, it sort of was the guiding light for our work. So you had these internal listening sessions. What steps did you take in response? So what we started off was this map, which is included in the article, the life expectancy mm -hmm. gap mm -hmm. between the downtown and Garfield Park, where you're right. from, Radia. Mm -hmm. And we took that to our board and everyone was shocked, but it was also the call to action. Mm -hmm. The idea that the focus of the medical center needs to be 
not just on access to the greatest healthcare, but on reducing that life expectancy gap. And what we did when we laid out our employees along that same L track as the life expectancy, and when you lived in the lowest life expectancy neighborhood, you were the least likely to be putting away money for your retirement. And more likely, one out of five almost, of the employees who lived in Garfield Park were experiencing a high degree of financial distress. And so we began to look at it internally at a couple of things. How do we get people to regional area living wage? But how do we increase retirement savings? And so we implemented a series of different initiatives at the level of the pension, at the level of entry-level pay, and measure those things over time to improve the financial well-being of our own employees. And then when you go beyond the employees to the neighborhood surrounding the institution, what work did you do in the neighborhoods to identify community needs? And then what investments have been made to address those? That's a terrific question. We started with listening tours. We had been here for 180 years on the west side of Chicago. And when we looked out the window at these, and we looked at the map of these life expectancy gaps, we said we have responsibility, if not accountability, for these gaps but we didn't have credibility. And what we did both internally and in the community was do listening tours. We asked people, what would you want? What would it be like if the medical center and it eventually became six medical centers on the West side, West side United, mm -hmm. what would it be like for the medical centers to partner with the community? What would you like us to focus on? And the community answered in this order, we want jobs, but not just any jobs jobs that pay well. We want support for local businesses. We need safe places to walk. We have mental health problems. We need help with that. Our children are feeling hopeless. The things that people want or wanted or asked for were the things that anyone would want, but they didn't ask for more clinics. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> Radio, what was that about? No one wanted more healthcare. I think because when you're in those predicament or it's not just health equity, it's wealth equity. Exactly. Wealth equity becomes the priority. People put their health on the back burner. So it's just like I'm trying to survive. And that's why I think the clinic was like the last thing to come up. It's like, this is what I need to make it from day to day to take care of my family. Right. Yeah. So that's why I'm so happy that it was a holistic approach. It right. just was not health care. This mission went in from every angle, just about. Right. And Brady, when you say that, it's exactly, I think, a critical point. This was about wealth creation. Yeah. This was about reducing the wealth gap because you couldn't get to health without investing in wealth. And you can't invest in wealth unless you put capital investments in these neighborhoods. And so there was a number of things like we say we are going to hire locally and create career pathways that lead to wealth. So over time, we've created a medical assistant pathway, certified nursing assistant pathway. We're launching a nursing pathway that takes students of color who are going to community college, bringing them to Rush and other institutions, and then have them over time to get a career in nursing. We've launched an IT from the community into IT, and we're gonna launch one for employees as well. How do you think about wealth building and then how do you support local businesses? One of the things we learned, you know, small businesses can't get paid in 60 days. 
So we had to re-engineer our payment process so we could support local businesses, not just at Rush, but across the six Westside United hospitals. How can we support businesses out there that are hiring people? And we've had great success with investing in small businesses that way. And then we've taken our money out of our reserves, not just Rush. We partnered with the AMA. We partnered with other hospitals to invest into West Side projects. And then we've gotten our folks who buy things from us. We said, we want you to locate your business on the West Side. So our supply chain integrator built a warehouse. We are now investing in West Garfield Park, this low life expectancy neighborhood where Radia comes from, in a wellness village, not just Rush, but other partners, and say, what can we do in terms of capital investment to return capital that's been extracted from these neighborhoods? And of course, when we talk about this, we talk about structural racism and economic deprivation being at the root of that. Now, you like that when we raise it, Radia. Because not many institutions are bold enough to say it. Most of the time in these neighborhoods or in these areas, the major causes are structural racism and economic deprivation. Nobody wants to say it. This work has been done for people for years, but someone was bold enough to say, okay, here it is. This is what we think is part of the problem. So that was huge for the ERG, people that live on the West Side Inn. And that was huge for us just to hear somebody acknowledge it and say it. And the ERG is the employee resource group that's supporting this effort. It was so important that we named racism and economic deprivation as root causes that we were going to try to solve for through this investment strategy, business strategy within Rush and in the community as well. And when we said that to the community, they did feel like no one said this before. And I think that there was a shift in the energy of it. Sometimes when people say, okay, here's what we're going to do and here's a movement or here's a program, it's like, okay, yeah, we've heard it all before. But when somebody actually said the words, structural racism, economic deprivation in these specific areas, it shifted people to say, hey, because a lot of times there's a matter of distrust in the community with large organizations. And I think it shifted some trust in the community. So yeah. That excited me to no end, and especially with the numbers being in the economic deprivation geared toward Hispanic and Black women. I'm a Black woman, so I was totally excited to see the data and to hear, okay, this is all going to help us shift in a positive direction. And just to add on to that, to explain this to leadership, it's one thing to name racism and economic deprivation. We could show it in our own employees. We could show the wealth gap between the doctors and the professionals, right, Mm -hmm. who are more likely to be white and what that happens to their wages over time Mm -hmm. versus the lower 25% of our employees who tend, as Radia said, Mm -hmm. to be Black people and oftentimes women coming from these neighborhoods. And so it provided internal insight. No organization is intending to do this, but it provided an opportunity to show and then to rectify. Yes, You say in your article that the anchor strategy movement faces several challenges, but that two of them loom large, funding and outcome measurement. So first, what kind of investments needed to support an anchor strategy and what policies could allow this approach to be more widely implemented? We did this out of a mission change when our mission changed from being the best in healthcare to improve the health of our diverse communities. So we did this out of mission. 
And we made health equity a system strategy at Rush, as many other organizations do. But there's no reward system for this. We operate in a reimbursement and healthcare delivery system as capitalism determines it, bottom lines determine it. So what we've asked for, just like the high-tech legislation that got organizations to adopt by providing incentives for the adoption of electronic medical records, we think there needs to be federal legislation that actually allows for the creation of the infrastructure within organizations that allow you to do this. Because you have to have a, to hire locally, your HR department has to be organized in a certain way. To purchase locally and support local businesses, your supply chain has to be organized in a certain way. And this infrastructure requires financial support. We could do a whole lot more across all of our healthcare systems, our hospitals, these anchor institutions, if there was some federal funding that supported this movement. And the last challenge, of course, is measurement. These conditions, structural racism, poverty, economic deprivation, are deeply embedded in our neighborhoods, whether it be rural or urban, across the country. Wealth inequality in many ways has grown over time and not gotten better. And so how do you measure success over the short term in the long term? We have, and so does the Healthcare Anchor Network, has a dashboard of metrics that you can look for. For example, I gave one before. What percent of your employees are making salaries at or above the regional living wage? And so that's something that's measured. But we measure on a dashboard, for example, percent local hiring. To hire locally required us to build partnerships in local communities such that we could bring people in from these neighborhoods who otherwise wouldn't have a chance. So this dashboard, the metrics are critically important. And when you're investing capital in neighborhoods, it takes time to get to improvements like life expectancy. So there's got to be a long haul approach to this. This is not like improving quality in a hospital, which can be done in weeks to months. This is years long strategy measured over time with short term metrics and then larger term metrics. But Rady, I would turn this to you a little bit because what does success look like for you and what have been some of the shortfalls that you've experienced with this? The success for me with this, I like some of the small nuances that came out of this whole thing. Speaking as the lead person or as a navigator, just once everybody started talking about the anchor mission, then it was like a little fire started to kind of catch on in different ways. And so I'm excited about that. But the shortfall would be, if I'm understanding your question correctly, that there's so much more to do work that needs to be done. That was the learning process for me as a navigator coming in on this is you just don't turn the corner very quickly. And I think that was a little bit shocking and a little bit taken back by that. It's a slow moving ship. I've been on a cruise ship and when you turn a cruise ship, they just don't make sharp right turns, sharp exactly. left turns. So that was the thing that kind of I was taken back a little bit, how slow I'm very excited about where we're going. But yeah, that oh. was that was a little eye opening. And that's the challenge for health systems in general. In other words, you have to choose the strategy because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Whether you call yourself an anchor or not, you are an anchor. You take the six healthcare organizations 
within Westside United, we would be the largest corporation yeah. in the state of Illinois, and we're located on the west side of Chicago. But these incremental changes take a long time. Yeah. You raise the expectations, but these are long-term problems that we never before took on to solve. Mm -hmm. Like we're taking on community economic development. We're trying to build an inclusive local economy through our economic engine requires the metric piece of it, but it requires a long-term investment. Mm -hmm. And you do raise the hopes and yeah. spirits, the spirit level, of, oh my God, we're doing this. That's amazing. Yeah. But it does move. Yeah. The arc of change bends slowly. Very slowly. Yeah. But we're happy. Yes. You can see why we wanted Radia here. <laughs> it is the voice, if you think about who's our customer. So this is a really important thing about the business we're in, right? Who's our customer? We also think of the patients and their families. But our customers here are employees, their families, and our communities, people who may or may not be connected to us, and their families. It's a different way of thinking about who are we here to serve. And certainly as a doctor who was a chief medical officer and a chair of a department, it's been among the most meaningful work I've done because I've gotten to meet and get to know Radia and her son, Kenneth, who was a swimmer at college. He's in college. And so it's a deeply rewarding work, but not for the faint of heart. Thank you, Ms. Holman. Thank you, Dr. Ansel.